0: Hello, I'm Noel Lim and welcome to ASEAN Speaks by Maybank. The latest Middle East conflict has caused oil prices to soar and US macro factors continue to drive regional markets. What should investors watch out for this week? Suhaimi Ilyas, our Group Chief Economist, speaks to our analysts across the region for their opinions.
1: Good morning, everyone. Uh, let's start with the week that was. Um, the US stock market was mixed last week with gains in S&P 500 and NASDAQ. On our performance of large-cap growth stocks, mega-cap IT and internet stocks but lost in the Dow Jones, e-market moving data last week was the much-awaited September US job market statistics released on Friday which showed employers added 336,000 non-farm jobs, roughly double consensus estimate plus upward uh, revisions totaling 119,000 for July and August numbers. Gains in payrolls were led by the hospitality, leisure, restaurants, education, and healthcare segments as these industries rebuild their workforce after the pandemic and as services demand rises. Meanwhile, U.S. jobless and labor force participation rates last month steady at 3.8% and 62.8% respectively. Wages increase. Uh, 0.2% month-on-month, but eased on a year-to-year basis to 4.2%, the slowest since June 2021. But overall, number job data was supportive of Fed's guidance of another 25 basis point rate hike this year. Uh, This led to US 10-year treasury yield maintaining its upward trend, hitting a fresh 16-year high of nearly 4.9% on early Friday trading in Eurozone economic indicators point to continued soft patch the region's composite purchasing managers index or PMI came in at 47.2 in September marking the fourth consecutive sub 50 monthly reading indicating weak economic activities uh, meanwhile in Japan the main headline last week was speculation that Ministry of Finance had intervened in the foreign exchange market to stem the yen slide following the currency's near instant surge after it briefly breached 11-month low level of 150 against US dollar, which many market participants had anticipated to be the trigger level for authorities to step in. Financial markets in China were closed last week for the Mid-Autumn Festival and National Day holidays or the Golden Week holidays and will reopen today. Domestic activity in China picked up significantly during the 8-day holiday. Approximately 395 million trips were taken via air and waterways in the first 4 days of the holiday, almost 76% above the prior year period. History of transport, uh, box office sales reached 1.2 billion renminbi in the first 3 days ahead of sales reported a year earlier. Macau received more than 160,000 visitors from mainland China and Hong Kong on Saturday, marking the biggest single day total since the pandemic. Uh, meanwhile, China's factory activity returned to expansion for the first time since March. Uh, the latest signal the economy may have bottomed. The official manufacturing PMI rose to and above consensus 50.2 in September from 49.7 in August. The non-manufacturing PMI rose to a better-than-expected 517 from 51 in August. Uh, separately, the private uh, Kaijin S&P 500 global survey of manufacturing and services activity both eased from the previous month but remained above 50 to indicate continued, albeit slow, economic growth. Um, China's crisis hit property sector also showed slight improvement in September. New home sales by the country's top 100 developers fell 29% year-on-year in September, easing from the 34% year-on-year drop in August. Uh, The easing in year-on-year decline came after Beijing rolled out a raft of stimulus measures targeting the property sector in August. A notable development over the weekend was another round of Israel-Palestine conflict on the eve of the 50th year anniversary of Israeli Arab war in October 1973. Crude oil price futures uh, jumped around 4% or over $3 per barrel in reaction, reversing the $10 per barrel drop uh, last month. The key economic data to watch are the release of minutes of the FOMC meeting on 19 20th September on Wednesday, while on Thursday we will have US and China September CPI as well as China's external uh, trade data. Uh, this morning, we'll hear from Erica and Brian on China, Singapore, and Vietnam macro, Hoi and Anan on Vietnam and ASEAN equities, Jackie and Daphne on Philippines, con- and Consumers, as well as Andy on FX. Uh, starting with Erika, uh, Erica, uh, Erica you'll publish a note on the Golden Week public holiday in China. Uh, specifically, what are the impacts on China's economy from the uh, perspective of uh, domestic spending and domestic tourism? And do you think the economic impact will be sustained beyond the Golden Week holidays to lend further support to some emerging signs suggesting China's economic downturn is bottoming? And will the Golden Week holidays spark the beginning of a more robust flow of Chinese tourists to ASEAN after a somewhat lackluster post-pandemic recovery so far? And if so, which ASEAN countries tend to benefit?
0: Hi, Suhaimi. So yes, so this year's uh, Golden Week, um, the expectations are high uh, because the consumer-facing industries um, in China and globally are all banking on this last spurt of revenge spending uh, to ratchet up activity um, even amidst uh, sluggish consumer confidence on the mainland. And the reason is that um, this is an unusually long golden week uh, because um, as we all know, um, the Mid-Autumn Festival moves around and this year it happens to sit just next to the week-long National Day holiday in China. So um, what this means is that um, the Chinese people uh, get um, a, an unbroken stretch of eight days of public holidays, right? So um, this year, um, expectations were very high. And so far, um, we see that uh, the performance um, of the tourism industries in China have come in um, in line with what we expected. So um, we were uh, forecasting for China's domestic tourism China's domestic. revenue uh, to come in uh, at a uh, 138% higher than last year um so um uh, from the official uh, government data it showed that uh, china's tourism revenue have um indeed uh, gone up by 133% so um it's coming quite close um we were also uh, banking on chinese travelers um uh, going up uh about uh, 10% above pre-pandemic levels. And um, the data that came out um, just over the weekend showed that uh, Chinese travellers have um, exceeded um, pre-pandemic levels by 5%, right? Um, However, um, uh, as we have forecast, uh, spending per traveller has also become slightly weaker um, from 2019. Um, So it's becoming about 2% weaker than before and um so uh to summarize um so the golden week trend uh, this year is marked by three features so long um local and low cost long because um travelers said that they were willing to take trips of um 5 or 6 days or more um on account of the 8 day public holiday Uh, local because uh, 70% of those that were surveyed said that they would travel uh, within their home city or their home province instead of going to other provinces in China or overseas. And low-cost because 41% of surveyed uh, Chinese uh, um, households said that they would actually spend uh, their holiday going uh, low budget. That means um, they would opt for a low cost uh, dining and accommodation options. And why is that so, um, so so I mean, um, so this um, addresses the question of, you know, whether we will see consumer spending uh, continuing to go strong uh, after golden week. So um, actually consumer confidence still remains weak because, you know, income expectations have not gone up to pre-pandemic levels since China's reopening. And uh, therefore the consumer willingness to spend um, is still quite low. So uh, going forward, um, what does this mean for um, ASEAN's tourism markets? So uh, happily, um, we note that um, during Golden Week, uh, actually some markets in Southeast Asia have been doing very well. So um, according to um, air ticket bookings uh, out of China, we note that um, bookings headed to Malaysia have already exceeded pre-pandemic levels by 10%, uh, whereas those to Singapore are just uh, 11% below 2019 levels. Um, So this is very healthy indeed. Um, But we also note that um, for Thailand, things are still quite uh, weak. So since the reopening, mainland tourists to Thailand have been slow to return, um, and ostensibly because um, there were some lingering perceptions about safety. Uh, And um, I think the the Bangkok uh, mall incident on the 3rd of October um, certainly uh, didn't help these worries. So it might dampen an otherwise strong rebound in uh, mainland arrivals uh, to the kingdom. Uh, So uh, going forward, we also expect uh, visitor numbers to Thailand uh, to come in uh, slightly lower, so at 26 million um, in total for this year compared to the previous forecast of twenty seven million, um we also are shaving down our forecast uh, for Thailand's uh, total tourism arrivals to thirty two million uh, compared to the prior forecast of thirty four million. So back to you Suhaimi
1: thanks Erica. Uh, listeners this morning do take time to read through the uh, interesting and insightful report on uh, China humans as well as uh tourists, um. Let's move on to Brian. Um, Brian Monetary Authority of Singapore MAS will have its monetary policy review middle of this month. It's in April. So, what's your expectations on the upcoming decision by MAS, and what are the reasons underpinning your view? And also wonder what is the risk that MAS will decide differently against your call.
2: Hi, morning. So we are expecting uh, MAS um, to maintain the prevailing rate of its uh, near appreciation at the uh, mid-October meeting. Um, we think that MAS focus will remain on inflation, which uh, is sticky and projected to remain above historical norms in 2024, with a tight labour market, new manpower measures, the recent pickup in commodity prices, and also multiple administrative hikes like the 1% GST hike, 5 increase in carbon tax, higher public transport fares, and also higher ERP rates. MES um, has signalled that it is not switching from inflation-fighting mode to growth-supporting mode. Um, should downside risks to the economy materialise, uh, the government is able to do the heavy lifting to support growth. Um, there is also additional uh, ample fiscal space to deploy additional policy support uh, with uh, the government's operating revenue on track to exceed MOF's projections in FY 2023-2024. Um, nonetheless, uh, we would expect a 20% probability to the MAS uh, surprising us with a slight uh, easing move, meaning that it uh, there's a slight easing to the slope of the near appreciation. Um, we think that uh, the the chance of this uh, uh is given that um growth is stagnating we are forecasting uh third quarter gdp growth uh, at a weak 0.1% on the back of a tepid manufacturing sector performance given that external demand remains weak uh and um also inflation has uh, even though it is uh, high but it's uh, it has eased from the its peaks in the earlier part of the year so, yeah, so basically, the risk of MES surprising us would, uh, I think, we are uh, attaching a 20% probability to that. Yeah, back to you, Sahimi.
1: All right. Um, moving on to Vietnam, the economy to release the quarter uh, GDP, together with other key economic indicators like external trade, industrial production, FDI, inflation, retail sales, tourist arrivals. Can you? You know, uh, run through and sum up these data uh, and, and tell us uh, whether that these data led to any changes to your macroeconomic mm-hmm. forecast and policy outlook on Vietnam.
2: Sure. So yeah, so whole slew of economic data released on um, twenty nine September. So yeah, so real GDP improved uh, to 5.3% year on year in the third quarter from 4.1% in the second quarter. And this was mainly fueled by a brighter manufacturing sector. I think you had manufacturing growth uh, improving to 5.6% from 0.6% in the second quarter uh steady services growth 6.2% this was mainly on the back of uh, consumer facing sectors like arts recreation um, entertainment transport combination and food services and also retail sales uh and this was largely due to a pickup in tourism on the other hand you had uh, real estate contracting for the third month by 1% year on year due to weak home buyer demand and also bond refinancing woes uh, faced by developers um Industrial production for September was also released. It accelerated to 5.1% year-on-year uh, compared to 2.6% in August. Uh, this marks the fifth consecutive month of industrial production growth and also the highest uh, since October 2022, if you don't count February, which had some uh, distortion in terms of uh, working days. Uh, so um, I think if you look at exports, uh, September's exports, Return to growth for the first time since October twenty twenty two, not counting February of course. Uh, this was helped by a low base, specifically exports. Uh, rebounded four point six percent from a year ago, uh versus a six point five percent contraction in August. Uh, although um, I think if you look at the sorry, I mean I think if you look at the product uh breakdown, it's uh quite broad based uh. And led by textiles and garments, uh, telephones and components, as well as uh, computers and electronics. Um, So I think by destination, it also is quite a broad-based improvement. I think US, ASEAN, Japan uh, rebounded in September after multi-month declines and exports to China grew for the fifth month by 4.6% year-on-year. Realized FDI over January to September has been doing very well. Uh, It rose 2.2% from a year ago to hit 15.9 billion US dollars, which is a five year high. Uh, I think that 2.2% is quite commendable given the high base last year. Uh, If you look at pledges, so FDI registrations uh, actually surged by nearly 8% year on year over the first nine months. Um, and this was mainly on the manufacturing sector, uh, which continues to benefit from you know, supply chain diversification out of China. Um, I think if you look at registered SDI from China and Hong Kong, it jumped by 79% over the period. Um, the retail sales data, uh, so retail sales in September remain resilient at 7.5% year on year uh and um this was mainly on the national day holiday on 2nd september and also the start of the new academic year which supported demand inflation uh climbed for the third straight month in september to 3.7% uh that was the headline print even as core inflation remained on the downtrend uh for falling to 3.8% from 4% in August. Uh, this pickup in headline inflation was mainly driven by the end of transport deflation amid the, uh, the, the, the easing out of base effects and also higher global oil prices. And uh, what's more, you also had higher food inflation, I think mainly led by rice. Um, for the outlook, uh, we are raising our twenty twenty three GDP forecast to 4.8% uh, compared to 4% previously. Uh, we think that growth should strengthen further in the fourth quarter, supported by a moderate recovery in exports, public infrastructure spending, FDI upswing and also a tourism uh, rebound. Um, we are optimistic that and a modest export recovery uh, could be sustained in the months ahead. Um, we raised our 2023 inflation forecast to 3.4% compared to 2.8% previously. We think that headline inflation will likely stay elevated in the fourth quarter, pressured by uh, rising transport costs and also El Nino, which may raise uh, food prices. Finally, on policy, we our base case is for SPV to stand pat on policy rates. I think the main reason is actually FX pressure. i mean, recently with surging US yields. Uh, strengthening U.S. dollar, the dong has depreciated alongside other Asian currencies. Uh, and so the FX pressure we think will constrain the central bank from cutting further. Actually, it's already cut by 150 basis points here today. Um, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that's the, I think that's the data and outlook on the Vietnam side. Back to you, uh, Suhaimi. Thanks, Brian. Um,
1: staying on Vietnam uh, with Hugh and I now, Um Given Vietnam's microeconomic and policy updates by Brian, uh, what is your take on Vietnam's market outlook and strategy for investors? In particular, what do you see as the key investment themes for Vietnam's equity? And thus, what are your preferred sectors and, and stock selections? Uh,
3: morning, Suami. Morning, everyone. Uh, so, for Vietnam uh, stock market, it uh, corrected around 6% last year, uh, month mostly due to uh, rising effects uh, pressure. Uh, but um, this pressure is much, uh, we we think, is uh, much lower than last year and it's a uh, short lift because uh, the Fed is near the end of the cycle and um, there's no black swan uh, event in Vietnam like what uh, part last year. So um, we believe the uh, Vietnam Central Bank has uh, adi- adequate room to control the pressure without disrupting the monetary uh, easing cycle. Uh, the key point is uh, that uh, the economy is uh, gradually picking up as the uh, present has analyzed, and uh, we still forecast a more meaningful uptick uh, of the recovery in uh, next year, with uh, we believe is the main catalyst for the stock market. So we expect our earnings rebound and uh, ample liquidity to support the market rally in the coming uh, month. Uh, moreover, uh, the potential upgrade of Vietnam to emerging market by FUSI next year is another investment team for for, for Vietnam stock market. Therefore, the uh, we we think the current correction is a good uh, buying opportunities for long term investment. Uh, we 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 like um, because the economy is uh, uh, at the early uh, phase of the recovery. So we like uh cyclical sectors like bank, um. Like a big bank, big bank, tech bank, uh, MB bank, uh, we like uh, retailing, uh, like uh, mobile world, uh, phú nhuận jewelry, uh, ABT retail, uh, we like uh, material uh, sector, uh, like hóa phát, uh, steel, uh, maker, um, they are uh remain they remain as our top goals. We also like a uh, stock of securities companies, uh, like SSI, uh hosting HCM and thanks to uh, the potential upgrade of Vietnam stock market and last but not least we like FPT uh, as a leading uh, technology company after the new uh, comprehensive strategic uh, partnership uh, of Vietnam-US open new opportunities in the semiconductor industry for for the company.
1: Uh, Back to you Suami. Thanks Huy. Um uh, let's move to Philippines. Uh starting off with Daphne. Uh Daphne, with Philippines inflation rising again uh, following the reacceleration in CPI last two months, will this be a setback for the consumer sector performance in second half of this year, given that the first half was a mixed bag as far as the stocks under your coverage?
4: Hi, so Matt. Hi, so hi, me. So, well, in the second quarter, we saw softer demand across the board for essential items as FMCG manufacturer sales volumes were flattish due to persistent inflation and downtrading. trading. For second half of this year, we expect uh, pent-up holiday demand to increase sales volumes, supported by overseas remittances and holiday bonuses, amid a shrinking household wallet. But on an annual basis, uh, we still expect average sales growth for FMCG manufacturers to still be in the mid-single to high single digit level, underpinned by decent ASP increases and mid-single digit volume growth.
1: Uh thanks, Dashimi. let's quickly move to Philippines Kong lows. Uh Jackie, your note on Philippines Kong touch on the recent uptrend in crude oil price, uh, given the macro impact, especially on inflation and FX and spillover to earnings. So what is the earnings impact on Philippine's Congolos, Also, among the conglos in your coverage, who are the most vulnerable and who are the most resilient?
4: Hi, good morning, everybody. So, oil and fuel account for about 6% of the sector's cost base, while commodity price, uh, commodity-based raw materials and inflation-sensitive people cost account for another 52%. So we estimate that the consolidated earnings of the conglomerates under our coverage could decline by as much as 4% should oil prices increase by $10 per barrel from our $84 per barrel forecast, which in turn could peripherally raise um, domestic inflation by 40 basis points to 3.9% and push back uh, the 100 basis point prospective rate cut to 4Q2024 from our base case of 3Q2024. Um, JG Summit is the most vulnerable to oil um, price fluctuations due to Cebu Air, its low-cost carrier subsidiary, and JGS Olyphins, um, its struggling petrochemicals company. SM Investments, on the other hand, is the most resilient given the cost-plus pricing model of its um, retail business. The group's predominantly essentials consumption-focused strategy um, and the natural hedge provided by its banks Um BDO, and China Bank, which are both beneficiaries uh, in a high interest rate environment. Um, GD Capital is the second most uh, resilient as the recovered profit margins in its auto and property segments provide uh, sufficient cost buffers, and the significant contribution of its bank, Metro Bank, to GD Capital's consolidated um, earnings base likewise provides a natural hedge. Um, Also, it's worth mentioning that historically, auto sales in the Philippines are not very much impacted by fluctuations in oil prices.
1: Thanks, uh, Jackie. Let's swing back to uh, micro, this time on FX. Um, Andy, in view of last week's development, especially with regards to US labor market data, its implication on Fed's uh, rate outlook, uh, we will see further upsides to dollar or is dollar in overbought territory already? And also, what are the key themes to watch out for in the FX market in the week ahead?
5: Morning, uh, Soimi. Yeah, indeed, uh, I, I think there are a few things that uh, developed over the weekend which also sort of um, strengthened the dollar a bit. But essentially the NFP uh, payroll numbers which came out much stronger at 30, 3, 36 uh, uh, thousand instead of um, consensus which I was expecting about 50 to 200 uh, definitely helped support the dollar. Uh, generally, our view is this. Uh, I think unless uh, it becomes uh, until it becomes clear somewhat that the stronger U.S. growth uh, employment data will uh, not start to sort of undermine uh, ongoing disinflation uh, numbers, we think it's going to be difficult for uh, US dollar to weaken much. Uh, I think going ahead, I think the, the main thing is economic fundamentals and uh, the, the, the starting point we suspect that um, this uh, high for longer sort of environment uh, will continue to support the dollar. Uh, there are a few other things that's, uh, that have emerged. The geopolitical situation also adds that element of the Um, safe haven sort of element for the dollar to be supported uh, if uh, the situation of the Middle East prolongs, especially if the oil price uh, starts picking up again and I think inflation concerns starts uh, picking up again. So first, like I mentioned, is the US rates. I think the expectations uh, whether November there will be further hikes uh, uh, and then the US CPI numbers coming up um, and data will be key. Second is the oil price uh, fitting in. The third sort of uh, thing that will continue to uh, play a part in terms of uh, implications on how dollar Asia or dollar would pan out in Asia would be central bank interventions. I think it would be uh, one theme that we'll be looking at. The other themes will be for this week that's coming up this week. The key ones will be China data that's coming up. Uh, I think September credit data will be coming up this week. Any signs of civilization uh, for consumption credit demand may actually lift uh, UN sentiment. And this could actually help uh, support some uh, Asian uh, sort of uh, currencies as well. Um, so on the U.S. front, I think a few other uh, data is coming up, U.S. NFIB and U.S. CPI would be the key one. So we want to look at uh, whether U.S. CPI uh, following the minutes of the FOMC will lead to uh, any shifts out of, uh, out of the core inflation numbers. Any shifts out of that or uh, easing in inflation metrics uh, could soften dollar and U.S. treasury yields uh, a bit. Uh, as long as uh, U.S. economic data paint a more resilient picture, I think dollar would uh, remain supported uh, this week in some sense. Uh, to end, I think in locally, I think MES numbers will be key. Uh, uh, MES uh, announcement probably coming out towards the end of the week. Uh, we will see whether there's any surprise moves there. If not, um, I think uh, Sing dollar will be one po- uh, currency to look out for uh, on top of dollar Asians, uh, depending on how those three factors, the U.S. rates or prices, uh, and Asian central bank uh, intervention will be a key theme to look out for uh, this week and going forward. So I mean.
1: Thanks, uh, Andy. Um, Anan, your job this morning is to summarize what's in store for ASEAN markets next <laughs> one or two weeks. Uh, with earnings season more or less over, so is it all macro, macro, macro
6: now? I'm afraid it is. So I mean, I mean, uh, if you look at ASEAN markets over the last four weeks, they've been basically trending lower. You know this, uh, uh, and it's really due to macro data, not so much uh, corporate earnings uh, issues. Uh, And it's really external uh, macro data in the form of what's happening in the U.S., uh, you know, in terms of treasury yields, uh, you know, progressively heading higher. Uh, And also, more importantly, for equity market performance here, uh, the strength of the U.S. dollar. Uh, And, you know, we've seen, um, you know, a lot of outflows in terms of uh, net foreign selling uh, across ASEAN. Uh, Malaysia is a rare exception. Uh, We've seen uh, three straight months of inflows, but um, fairly modest the general picture is one of uh, investors basically becoming more defensive uh, in the face of uh, these macro uncertainties uh, and also uh, in, in now uh, geopolitical uncertainties as well with what's happening uh, in the Middle East. I think our view is ASEAN markets will remain difficult uh, as long as the US dollar continues to be so strong uh, and yields continue to be elevated, uh, it is better for ASEAN investors to take a, a defensive stance we also have some uh, you know more domestic issues like uh, the upcoming budget in malaysia uh, and also stimulus measures in thailand uh, which require more clarity for investors uh, to move forward on so overall defensive i would say the two sectors we are advocating at this point one is financials you know higher for longer uh, i think uh, makes uh, nims more defensible uh, for the short to medium term for banks uh, so you'd be uh, well advised to pick up banks not just those in vietnam which were mentioned by hui but also in in uh, Thailand, like Bangkok Bank or Malaysia, like Hong Leong Bank and Public Bank. And in Indonesia, like Bank Mandiri. Uh, the other sector we like uh, in terms of being defensive is uh, consumer staples. So I think uh, if you're looking at a very difficult period, consumer staples are uh, a good defensive uh, option. Uh, so stocks like Mr. DIY in Malaysia, uh, CP All uh, in uh, Thailand, uh, and SM Investments in the Philippines uh, should be top of your list there.
1: Right. Thanks, Anand. Um, and that's it for this morning, everyone. Have a good week.
0: To learn more, contact a trading rep at Maybank or access the research reports on our trading platform. I'm on Limonazian speaks by Maybank.